Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, As always, we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by the Potential Mastermind Project. It's a group coaching program that grew right out of this podcast, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, because some of the listeners said, hey, do you have a group coaching program? And I said, no. And I said no enough times when I decided maybe I should say yes. And so I know that if you listen to a show like this, that in your soul, you are wanting to do more as an entrepreneur. And I believe that everybody has more potential than they're realizing because there is a gap between potential and results. And that's why I created the Potential Mastermind Project. Now is a great time for you to get involved. Because as we're coming up on the first of the year, don't you want to get focused? Don't you want to have some accountability? Don't you want some people to help you figure out your goals? This mastermind program is there to help you find focus and get that accountability. Now, is this right for you? Who knows? It's not right for everybody, but it might be. So jump over to potentialmastermind.com. You'll find out all the information. If you have any questions, send me an email at tom at tomsinger.com and we'll decide together if this is a good match for you. Again, that's potentialmastermind.com. So today we are going to talk with Leo Ramirez. Now he is passionate about helping people make deeper connections and he does this Because he works with a company called Incast, and they help people find common ground between themselves, the company, and their philanthropic efforts. And the company, it does really cool things. They boost culture and brand by getting companies closer to their greatest asset, and that's their people. Hey, Leo, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. Hey, I don't like to read long bios. I just give a little taste of who you are and what you do. Why don't you tell people... Uh, who is Leo Ramirez and, and, and what is Incast? Well, my name is, like I said, Leo Ramirez. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Incast. Um, my uh, background um, and what led me to, to this company actually started in South Texas, where I, I was born in a town called McAllen in the lower Rio Grande Valley, uh, son to a uh, very successful high, high school teacher, math teacher, and uh, a wonderful mom who had raised us while my dad kind of sacrificed himself for uh, the benefit of other children and uh, made them all very successful. In the um, time that he was in school, he sent countless people to Stanford and MIT and other great schools. And I was always really inspired by his work. Um, and because of him, I got to go to a, a great school like Stanford back in 1992. And Growing up was interesting because I was not really, I was not really understanding of what it meant to, uh, to give. Um, I just felt like giving was a part of everyday life. At least that's the way my parents made us to feel. They always told us that no matter how bad we thought we had it because we were in a mobile home and we didn't have a whole lot of money. And we stood in line for cheese and bread, um, just like a lot of other families did at the time. Um, we, they, said, they said other people have it worse. And we always gave whatever we could at church and donated clothing to my mom's neighborhood in Mexico every Christmas. 
And those little acts of, of, of kindness, which I thought, again, were part of everyday life, resulted in something far more fundamental in me um, that I came to unlock many years later. So even having uh, gone to a great school like Stanford that has a lot of um, philanthropists, you know, I really didn't understand the word until I came to Austin in 1996 and worked for a company called Trilogy. And, and only then that I started being exposed to what I thought philanthropy meant. And that was something reserved for very wealthy people. And as I come to find out years later, every little act, even the ones that we were doing growing up uh, in South Texas, uh, also counts. So flash forward a couple of years and, you know, what is NCAST? Well, NCAST kind of derives from that, that, that core belief that the human spirit can be unleashed through the, the things that matter to us, the things we're passionate about and finding philanthropic opportunities, whether it's giving a penny of your time or a million bucks or giving a minute of your time um, or many, many hours a week. Um, it all matters. It all adds up. It all makes a difference. But what matters most is not only finding the things that, that matter to you, um, but through that, finding connections and other human beings. Um, and that's what NCAST is, is out to do when we're focusing our initial efforts in the workplace. So it's so interesting because I usually end these episodes by asking people, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? But you've kind of flipped that because that's what you do. Your whole company is about getting people to to sort of understand how to make those connections to the greater good. And I'm a real big believer in that. I talked about it on the last episode that uh, before this one that aired a couple days ago, that one of the things we did is, is we created a giving fund when I started my business. And we give a small percentage of every sale that I make to uh, two funds at two different children's hospitals. And it's interesting because I almost had to sell one of the children's hospitals on this whole idea. They were like, no, just write us a big check, not a billion little checks over 10 years. And they all, even the organization itself, even the philanthropy kind of rolled their eyes at what I was trying to do. Although fast forward a decade and it's over $70,000 that we've donated and raised between those two funds. And if I was to walk into any charity and want to write a $70,000 check, they'd fall all over themselves. And I just didn't understand <laughs> that that's not a common thing for, for people to do is to, to pledge a little piece of, of what they do to something for the greater good. So let's talk a little bit more about that because you started out of college and you went to work for a technology company. Uh, you know, what led you to going off on your own and, and really pursuing this, this life of entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship trying to get people to understand giving? You know, so what's interesting, um, kind of going back to my childhood, is I, I didn't have any examples in my life of of even managers. Everyone of my relatives was either a um, a postal worker, a teacher, an engineer, and uh, but no one owned a business. No one really had executive um, or key management roles uh, at their companies, and and so I never saw in myself the possibility of ever becoming one. Um, much less a business owner or a CEO. And even having gone to Stanford and being surrounded by kind of this world of opportunity and the kind of pre-dot-com uh, explosion, I also didn't see that for myself because I thought there's no way I can do it. There's many people far more qualified than me to create and run companies. And and Trilogy uh, back in 1996 just really unleashed my full potential and allowed me to see um, and, and how it operated that I actually did belong, that I actually could do this. And, uh, and so 
you know, I spent a good five and a half years at Trilogy and another two at, at Cornetrics and was really inspired by um, the work that that company was doing under, under Brett Hurt, um, who went on to, to also co-found Bizarre Voice and now Data.World. And he's always been a friend and a, and, a, and a mentor and advisor to me. And I've always felt that he was a great example um, with how he ran his company um, to be really focused on the, on the customer. So, um, so let's back up a step. So, let's back up a step. I'm a sure. huge, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Brett Hurt. I'm trying to get him on cool things entrepreneurs do. I just haven't been able to to get it timed out right. But I want to step back further and talk a little bit about Trilogy because you talked about sure. the fact that you never saw yourself as an entrepreneur, but working at Trilogy, all of a sudden they exposed you to the fact that you did have it inside of you. Living in Austin, Texas, I see a ton and interviewing people for this show, I meet a ton of people who are former Trilogy employees who have gone out and launched ventures. What was it at Trilogy that allowed you to realize that you had this inside of you and hundreds of other people realize that they have it inside of them? Because Trilogy is one of those handful of companies in our community that has spawned an unnatural amount of entrepreneurship. What was that in the culture? I think I think part of the core, well, you just touched on it at the very end, it is the culture and and the culture of hiring the best um, isn't necessarily, a, you know, in and of itself, a a uh, precursor to 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 success or to entrepreneurship in and of itself. But they were hiring people that had the potential to to do some really great things and be open to learning a lot of different things. And through their Trilogy University um uh, like summer training program, they, they kind of forced us to go and, 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 and play in different roles. So even though you may have been hired to the sales, you're going to do marketing, you're going to do consulting, you're going to do software development, and you're going to see what it takes to do all of those things, even if you just get a flavor of it. And one of the things that I think is, is critical to the success of, of an entrepreneur is not just to have a really great idea and just jump into it, but also to understand enough about the components of your business that, that that idea requires to succeed so that you can, one, recognize your blind spots and know that you can't do it all. And you need a support you know, system, at, at least at some point, um, in, in your company's growth to kind of fill in those, those roles. And having had that experience at Trilogy um, with cycling through the, uh, the various roles within this Trilogy University program was important. Two, I think... Trilogy exposed us to opportunities at a very young age uh, to to work with some amazing clients. You know, one of my first big deals that I supported as a as a pre-sales engineer was Whirlpool, which closed for over five million dollars. And I was only twenty-two years old at the time, and it's just ridiculous for me to think that at a twenty-two-year-old I am helping to close, uh, you know, four or five million-dollar deal. So yeah, at twenty two years old, I, I, at twenty two years old, I was picking up like a twenty two dollar bar tab. <laughs> you know, Tom, I remember one point. I, uh, a couple of years later, I was working at, at Goodyear, and I was only there for five weeks. We were working on a on a new project, and at the end of the project, which went really really well, they took us up in the Goodyear blimp, and they said, "Don't tell anybody that you're doing this because people are going to be thirty five years and never get on the blimp." We got to go on the blimp. They really liked us. And on the way out, handed me a $4 million check. And they said, take this back to Austin. And I said, no. And they said, why? 
I said, because I'm going to change my name to Trilogy and live in a non-extradition country <laughs> and be really happy. <laughs> please, yeah. please mail this. Do it some other way. Please mail this check. Me. Do not give me this much. Do not give me this responsibility. Do not give me this much money. <laughs> but it was really like powerful holding that $4 million check in my hand. And what, what, what that, that, that was the Trilogy experience. That was the culture. It was give these, these crazy, smart, driven kids an opportunity to do things that are that are what many others consider far beyond their their ability. Uh, give them the training, give them the support. I mean, we have ridiculous amounts of not only peer support, but 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 executive support um, um, from some very you know amazing individuals that help help uh, kind of us find our full potential. You know, within that company. Now, not everyone went that route. I mean, there were a lot of amazing individual contributors who even today continue to be amazing individual contributors and they just don't see, you know, entrepreneurship and, and being executives of companies, um, uh, in, in their, in their career uh, path. Um, I just happened to discover that it's something that interested me. And, uh, but I think those are some of the things that, that Trilogy did that really helped to unleash so many, um, you know, successful entrepreneurs and, and, uh, and executives, um, now throughout the world. So now that you've been working for yourself for several years, what do you love about the lifestyle of being an entrepreneur? Um, one of the things that people over the years have told me they love about me is that I tell them how much it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. You mean there's hard parts um, to this? Entre- wait, wait, wait. There's hard parts to this entrepreneurship? What are you talking about? <laughs> Shh. Don't no, tell no, people. We don't tell people. <laughs> Go on. There, um, there was an article written about me years ago uh, in the Austin Business Journal that that talked about um, about all the hard parts, about all the mistakes. I remember when I was running a nonprofit called uh, Mini Donations, which was um, the pre- predecessor to NCAF. This that company pivoted into into this uh, now for profit company, but Mini, Mini Donations was a nonprofit company. I had this article written about me, and in part because at a holiday party, I mentioned to you know one of the staff writers. Um, cause she asked me, how are things going? And I just opened up mm-hmm. and I just told her all the bad stuff that was going on. <laughs> and, and maybe she just got me in, in just the right moment, but she said, this is really, really enlightening because it shows an element of the entrepreneurial journey that others just aren't willing to share. Cause most people, I mean, just talk to any entrepreneur and tell them how's it going. They're going to tell you all the great things that are going on, how wonderful it is, how easy it is and how they're, fulfill- they're you know, fulfilling their life's dreams. But golly, man, when nine out of 10 companies fail, they're all, they're all lying to you. They are all <laughs> lying to you. So I'd rather kind of be real and tell people, look, it's not easy. It is a big sacrifice. Um, you know, you need to have your loved ones bought in. You need to have uh, enough money put away. You need to have you know, all these things that are not easy for everyone to have. You need to have a strong support system in order to make entrepreneurship work. So, you know, what I, what I love about the job as you mentioned earlier, I get to do what I love. I, you know, I happen to love, um, you know, giving back, connecting people, and I happen to to love being the king. Uh, it's fun <laughs> to tell people what to do, but I'm also I'm the kind of leader. And if you ask any people on my staff, at least I hope this is the feedback that they'll give you, is that Leo is the kind of leader that really believes in in creating a a, a just wonderful, beautiful vision for what. Um, he wants to go do, but giving us the space to play within that vision and develop our own elements of the vision that, that, that support it. 
So I love giving people freedom. I love saying, I don't know. Um, and, and all the time I run into, you know, issues where I have absolutely no clue what to do. And, and I've got to look at my uh, advisors, my team, um, you know, mentors, uh, for, for help. And, uh, and that's also fun for me. So what, what many consider to be obstacles, I consider to be op- uh, opportunities. When someone says, no, you can't do that. Again, I see that as an opportunity. So the continuous learning that comes from, from entrepreneurship is just an amazing part of the job. But, uh, but again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy because it's absolutely not. No, of course. I mean, I've been working for myself for eight and a half years and there's a lot of, there's a lot of days that are just, they're crazy hard. And there's a lot of days that, you know, you lose a sale or something goes wrong somewhere in the, in the cog of your business and there's no one to turn to. There's no one to blame. You know, all the fingers point back at, at, at you. So I, I totally get it. But what are the things, I mean, you mentioned some of them, but what are the things you, you don't like what what is do you ever have those days where you think i could have stayed at trilogy someone else could have all the headaches um i do and and it's funny because when um a couple months ago i was looking at our runway and we were kind of quickly running out of cash we have been talking to a number of, of angel investors across the nation we've been to a couple of of, of uh, conferences and we went to a, a VC event in New York City trying to connect with new uh, people and our investor had not yet had uh, made his commitment uh, to to up his his um, investment in the company and and so I was just I was really really struggling with what to do and we I more than halved our burn rate um, part of that was was cutting my salary in half and cutting another individual on my team's salary in half, letting go of several people, uh, getting rid of a couple of agencies that have been helping us and done really, really good work for a while. Um, that sucked. <laughs> letting go of people always sucks. And letting go of, of good uh, agencies it sucks as well. Um, the pressure at home trying to explain to my wife and and my mother-in-law that that doesn't quite understand entrepreneurship and always questions why the hell is, is my son-in-law doing this crazy ass risky work <laughs> and I'm putting my daughter and my grandkids in danger um of winding up in the street like that's hard to explain sometimes for someone that doesn't get it and 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 so being able to keep keep the the support system as i mentioned earlier um, knowing enough about what's going on to know that things are serious, but get, showing enough confidence that we're going to get through this in, in, in some way is, is a constant struggle, constant struggle, even when we've got enough money in the bank, which we do, um, even when, when the sales are closing, which they are, um, even when things are going really well, you, you still um, have to struggle with making sure that your support system has what they need to support you, uh, but not too much of the ins and outs to freak them out because they knew everything. <laughs> they tell you to quit. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one of the things that, I, that that's hard that I, I don't like. Um, sometimes I have to attend events that keep me away from my kids. And I made a commitment to my wife and my kids that I would be there every single night to put them uh, to bed. And sometimes that doesn't happen. I have to go on trips sometimes where I'm gone for days. My daughter's special needs like yours, uh, or at least, you know, your your daughter has had her own struggles when she was young and thank yeah. God things have worked out for her. And I'm praying that things work out for my daughter as well. 
but right now she she needs a lot of therapy and needs a lot of help and she's gone through a lot of her life at three and a half years old <clears throat> and my wife is starting to, to uh, started her own practice there's a lot of things going on that um that make it difficult for me to make the decision to go and attend a conference or visit with a client or visit with my investor um and so so I, 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 that's the other thing I hate is just that it rips me away from, from family and friends uh, sometimes. And that's something that, that's so important to, to the lifeblood uh, of who I am. Um, and then, of course, the ins and outs of running a business and, and all the mundane crap you have to deal with, uh, the rent, the, <laughs> the, the services you have to pay for. You know, we just recently had an issue with one of our um, – uh, service providers that we didn't cancel a contract in time that we intended to because um, we just missed it on the calendar. Um, so now we're stuck for another year. Uh. And it's things like that that we always, um, uh, when you have a small uh, a company, uh, especially, you run into these issues that um, you just have to deal with and roll with the bunches. And that's that's what I've had to learn to do is when, when stuff hits the fan, um, you're either gonna you're gonna stay down or you're gonna get yourself up and learn from it and move on. And I always choose to do the latter. So you talked about like having sometimes you have to go to these conferences or maybe you have a late night dinner, even if it's local, or you have to get on a plane and, and, and go meet with investors. How important is your network? How important is connecting with the right people if you're going to grow a business? Oh my God, I can't even begin to to explain how important that is and and, and how investments in my network that I put in 20 years ago, 21 years ago when I moved to Austin are finally bearing fruit. I mean, I've been, I've been planting seeds for a long, long time and Trilogy started that. And I thank God I'm fortunate to have worked at that place and they connected to so many amazing people through that. But when I, really started diving into the, the nonprofit world. And so I, I, I co-founded two nonprofits. One of them was the business accelerator for economically distressed regions called Ed Pro Ventures. And the other one was many donations. And then the third company I founded was this, this for-profit uh, you know, benefit corporation, NCAP. And, and when I got into the nonprofit world uh, with my co-founder, Teo, I had no clue about nonprofits and he had no clue about nonprofits. He had founded uh, a couple companies before, but we were both kind of, you know, leading each other both blind to what it took. And it took networking um, with, with the right people to really learn the ins and outs of the nonprofit world, philanthropy, how to do proper development work, um, uh, dealing with issues that are topics of interest and other things that we had to discover along the way, how to write reports uh, to the federal government, because uh, we had some government funding and, 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 and networking with the right people and then using their networks to further expand, expand our networks uh, makes all the difference in the world. And so um, I, I make a, a real assertive effort to, uh, to meet anyone I can, um, any opportunity I can. And sometimes the most seemingly mundane connections become the most powerful ones. Um, I, I remember attending a Sherman conference a couple months ago in New Orleans, and I purposely sat at a table because it was empty. 
and I put my laptop in front of me because it meant go away. I put my headphones on, which means go away. And, and, but some dude comes and sits in front of me and he starts talking to me with, even though I had my headphones on and my, and my laptop open. And I said, whatever. So I started engaging with a guy and he ends up being a speaker. He ends up being a consultant in the work that we are doing. He is the absolute perfect contact <laughs> because he made an effort to talk to me. Um, I've opened up my possibilities into expanding into Colorado and that part of the United States and not the world because he's got kind of global impact. Mm. Um, but there's examples like that in my life, you know, sitting next to a gentleman, George Elliman of Tribeza, um, uh, same thing, had my headphones on, on a plane, um, and he decided to talk to me when I didn't want to talk to anybody. And that became a friendship and that became like, oh, an amazing contact. I'm seeing a pattern um, here. Take your headphones off. Take my headphones off. Yeah, I, I think that's the... <laughs> and communicate. And, and, and for a guy that, that, that reports to want to make stronger human connections... Right, that's why I'm, I'm laughing. Good, I'm not a good example sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Leo, what advice... <laughs> what advice do you have for somebody who they, they work for a company and they, they want to launch their own thing? Maybe it's in a nonprofit or a giving type way, or maybe it's a consultancy or, or, or they want to start their own store of some sort with a product that they have. What advice do you have for someone who wants to take that leap? Um, I think first and foremost, do your research. Uh, one of the mistakes that a lot of people do is, is they don't look at what exists today and what is their idea is really different that will or better that's that's gonna allow them to create a real business out of this. I mean it's one thing to start a business and get other people's money and continue to get other people's money. It's another thing to um, you know start a business and either bootstrap or take limited investments and turn it into something profitable. That's the ultimate goal. So if you can't find uh, the market potential for your idea that will uh, and, and a reasonable path to profitability, don't even bother. Um, in fact Go try to work for someone else, um, and 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 maybe in the, in that um, experience, you you discover the, the the real pain point. But you know, work for someone else and let them pay for your education and and so whether or not what what you want to do is really going to work. So um, that may be, you know, one of the one of the best lessons. I, I think to, you know, if it's possible to to just kind of quit your job and, and focus on uh, your idea. Um, I've seen personally more people do that and succeed than those who did what I tried to do, uh, which was work for someone else and then moonlight and, and, and bring your idea to, um, uh, to market. And it was possible, but golly, I mean, especially for me, I'm talking about someone trying to get close to his friends and, and raise a family uh, I, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't balance it. I felt just like I was doing everything wrong. So so before you take the leap, you also have to ask yourself, you know, am I in a position? Do I have a kind of job that gives me flexibility where I can do this on the side, or can I can I just quit it all and just focus on this entirely for some amount of time, um, and maybe work some side jobs if you don't have the uh, the, the funding to kind of support yourself um, in this journey. Um, I think that's another important question to ask yourself. And, um, uh, and as I alluded to earlier, it, I think it's just really important to, to build out a, uh, a business plan, even if it's just in the form of an outline or, um, or, or a short uh, presentation 
um, so that you can shop this idea around, get feedback, you know, talk to people that, that you're connected to who are, are subject matter experts in the space. Um, go seek them out, uh, try to get meetings uh, with them. And when you do get a meeting, uh, and this is really important when it relates to, to networking, by the way, um, I was judging a, a Dell social innovation challenge many years ago. And one of the kids who I had told the audience before, bunch of YouTube students, I said, Hey, why, you know, why don't you go out and meet people that you really respect and, and sit with them and learn from them. And one of the kids says, look, why does, would anyone want to even meet with me? I'm just a kid. <laughs> and I said, well, it's a good question. And if you can, if you, if you can get the meeting, like show your passion, uh, be genuine. And, and you're not always going to get that meeting, but if you do, your job is to cyber stalk that person and find common ground. This goes back to what I'm doing today because I want to make human connection. And when I have that meeting, I'm going to know something about that person I'm meeting with that I also love. And that's what I'm going to open the conversation with. I'm not going to talk about how important they are. I'm not going to talk about how much money they have. I'm not going to talk about the fact that they're a president or a mayor or a billionaire. That is, none of that matters. They're just another human being sitting across the table. Find the common ground, open with that, talk about anything you want. That's good advice. So, so when, as you're pursuing your entrepreneurial journey, I think having those types of really deep conversations, not just about you know, connecting with someone uh, who may become an advisor or who may end up working for you or who may be a strong connection to open possibilities for your company. Um, but that person you know, uh, can also give you the feedback you need to see if your idea is really viable. No, that's, that's all, all excellent advice. Hey, Leo, I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But sure. first... I have to thank the other sponsor of this show. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool guests like Leo Ramirez. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. Hey, Leo, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing your company is doing right now? Oh, you know, this relates to our, 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 our pivot um, uh, that we have been engaged in the last few weeks. So while if you go to our website today, everything we talk about is related to workplace giving and how we want to help workplaces understand the passions of their employees and use that information to help them align and develop programs around those passions. So gone are the days where a company says, these are the five organizations we support and we want you to, to tell the party line. Um, uh, I think that's corporate giving 1.0 corporate giving 2.0 is I want the employees to tell me what they love. You know, they are part of us. Uh, we depend on them. They're an important asset to our company, our most important asset. So how can their giving and volunteering help us develop um, uh, benefits and, and programs that kind of align with those passions. So here comes the pivot. Philanthropy I've always described as, as a way of gaining insight into, into people's hearts, how people spend their money, how people spend their time. You know, you can fake a like, 
you can you can fake a love a, a love and a repeat. Um, you can you can fake a whole lot of things in the world today in social media. It's really hard to 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 feign your love for a cause when you're giving real money and spending real time with it. And I think that is a very powerful mechanism to tap into the human psyche and those who work for you as a way of helping to build a stronger culture. And so one of the things that I learned through the Culturati uh, conference that the Entrepreneurs Foundation in Austin puts together every year for the last couple of years, I think now we're going on year three. Um, and actually you um, uh, uh, keynoted one of the, the, the very first one actually, uh, from what I recall. But one of the things that I really love about, that I learned from there was what are the difference between values and culture? And core values in general are immutable. Once they're set, they tend not to change over time. Culture changes. Culture is, is defined by who is working for you. And they interpret your values and whatever they uh, have as your wants, needs, and desires. Um, and, and so maybe in the early days of our trilogy, for example, we, our average age is 24 years old. If we got older and hired more industry professionals, our average age, you know, creeps into the 30s. And 30-year-olds 30, 30 have very different needs than 20-year-olds. Well, we're talking about more about families than we're talking about, you know, social outings going to Vegas on, on Friday. Um, and so, but the core values of the company stay the same. And, and so what we are looking to build is this cultural transformation engine, initially fueled by philanthropy, to gain that insight into your, your people's passions and, and desires and wants, and eventually building out a full system that, that, that gives you kind of insights into other aspects of a person's life. Um, so that as that person goes from company to company, neighborhood to neighborhood, school to school, um, they have a way of kind of tapping into that, that this group of people and find other people of common ground that they connect with. Um, and, and that group also has visibility into the passions of its people as represented by, by the sum of the whole um, from which uh, more, more aligned um, uh, programs and, and opportunities can arise. So that's the big idea uh, that we are currently uh, working towards. Well, and that's an important idea. And I think it's something that's going to resonate well with companies. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, wait a minute, that's, that's what we need to know about. How do they find NCAST? Where do they go? Um, go to uh, uh, NCAST.giv. So it's uh, E as an Edward N. C-A-S-T dot G-I-V-E-S. Um, so NCAST.gives will let, let you learn more about NCAST and what we do. And you can also feel free to uh, just email me directly. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, I'm just Leo at NCAST.gives. Awesome. Well, Leo, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your journey, I think, from, uh, from your humble beginnings in a, in, a, in a trailer home through Stanford University to working for you know, some great technology companies to being an entrepreneur who has dedicated his life to helping people and organizations find their way to give. I think that you probably have touched the hearts of a lot of people who've listened to this show. And I know a lot of people out there uh, really here, and at least in Austin, I know a lot of people really admire the passion you have for everything that you've done. So thank you for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because you're doing cool things. 
Well, thank you, Tom. And and uh, like you alluded to earlier about the importance of networking, I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for networking. That, well, <laughs> and here we are today. And then here we are today. You're a guest on the show. Hey, and thank you to everybody thank who you. tuned in. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So keep coming back. Tell your friends. If you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, send me a note on Twitter at Cool Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook uh, at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And uh, you can also, like we said, you can also get involved with the small little mastermind group community at potentialmastermind.com. Hey, I'm going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Leo Ramirez. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>